Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Excellent. That was a 8-2 thrashing of the Anaheim Ducks, who are quarter of the way into the season are still ahead of the orders in the standing. So um, big for win for big win for him. Not for long. It does have a, there's, there is a feeling of confidence watching the orders in this game that they're going to turn it around. And the other really hopeful thing is just how crappy the teams ahead of them are. Like no one. That's, I'm do, confident Anaheim's going to fall to the bottom of the, yeah. of the tank. There's a lot of, a lot of those teams don't look like, very serious teams, but the orders they, they've got to keep winning, of course. But anyway, tonight was a, the strongest signal yet, I think, that this Edmonton team is for real. It was their second really good game in a row, and it was the second game in a row that McDavid looked like his old self. So, Bruce, this is our two good things, two bad things, two numbers, and one conundrum podcast. What is your good thing? Yeah, I'm going to go with the uh, performance of Darnell Nurse uh, tonight. Not a perfect game. I think he got beat on a pass on the on the first goal. Uh, but uh, uh, he made some very nice passes of his own, uh, earning three assists in this game. And two of them were really nice passes uh, that really keyed the respective goals. Uh, one was a stretch pass, a backhand pass, but, but the key was how quickly he got to the puck and how quickly he dumped it up the boards, uh, where three Oilers were waiting uh, to take it to the net, among them Connor McDavid. Uh, Nurse's pass was tipped by Hyman to McDavid. He went in, he had both Hyman and Nugent Hopkins as uh, decoys, uh, but Connor decided to take it to the net himself and just buried one right inside the far side post to uh, that was the one that tied it uh, two two and then just uh, three minutes later uh, came another one where um, from the defensive zone dry saddle won the face off and a nurse uh, got possession of the puck and uh, no wait a minute McDavid won the face off. Nurse got possession of the puck, and he drilled a long stretch pass uh, that uh, caught Nugent Hopkins behind everybody uh, just outside the Anaheim blue line. Uh, clearly it was some kind of planned play, but the plan included the guy making a, uh, a good pass uh, behind the coverage and uh, right on the tape, and um, Nugent Hopkins took it in, made no mistake. That was the uh, game-winning goal. And those were the two goals that transformed this game from a very kind of shoddy start by Edmonton and not much control of the game to even at 3-2, you're thinking, okay, uh, the chances of Oilers keep scoring is a lot higher than of Anaheim keeps scoring. And my fear was falling behind early and then not getting, you know, not getting their crap together for too long as we've seen too many other times and nurse's passes were uh, were key to both those goals uh he also made uh, uh, a more routine but good pass to Eckholm that Eckholm snapped home for the final goal of the game uh but also blocked five shots and i thought nurse won a lot of battles in this game and uh, came away with the puck uh, a lot of times 
And he took one penalty, drew a penalty, like he was just sort of in the middle of things. And uh, uh, this was a game Anaheim brought a pretty heavy game, and uh, uh, Oilers needed their uh, uh, some of their bigger guys to uh, to stand tall. And I thought uh, Darnell Nurse was one of those guys. Played 25 minutes. Yeah, sure. So did. even in a blowout, they used him heavily. Yeah. He's been playing really well as of late. I mean, it's not like he's had every game has been great, but he's had lots of really good games, lots of good games, some some great games. And this was a great game from Darnell Nurse. He's bringing his A game. He's uh, um, looking like a true number one defenseman on the team. And they need, you know, to win, mm-hmm. to win the Stanley Cup, to make the playoffs. Let's make the playoffs first. Yeah. They need him to be their number one defenseman. They need him to play like this. I mean, Ekholm, I thought Ekholm also um, finally looks healthy. Finally looked like he was moving really freely, moving well. And mm-hmm. and um, after struggling for, you know, he's just not been himself. Wasn't close to the level that he brought last year, Ekholm. And now he's finally brought it back. And McDavid's the same thing, Bruce. Like, um, finally looks like himself. And that pass, uh, the, the third goal of the game, which I think was the turning point of the game. Um, both goals were nice, of course, but that that goal by McDavid, where he just went in there and um, so I think a three-on-one. You're, everyone's expecting mm-hmm. him to pass, yeah. and he just slammed it off the post. Uh, what that's what's been missing from Connor McDavid's game. The legs, I think, have been there most of the year. The skating's been there, but for a while there, the stick handling was not there at all. And then the stick handling came back, but the shot wasn't there. And last game, it seemed like it was he was close to 100%. This was the first game where I'm he looked like McDavid, fully, full-fledged Connor McDavid, including the great shot, including that ability just to drill that puck um, when it's unexpected and to drill it hard and true and into the net. So, um, yeah good news on a, on a lot of fronts in this game. First, my good thing is the Oilers' first goal of the game, <clears throat> which uh, was critical, and it, and uh, Evander Kane scored it. And um, but it was a, it was just a and it was uh, I'm singling it out though really because the first goal is important. But Connor Brown got his like his first point of the year. Man, that was good to see, and it was on a nice play. But it was a, it was a nice five man play. I mean, first of all, Evan Bouchard makes a strong uh, play in the neutral zone where he um, takes the man and and his man loses the puck because of it. And um, Ekholm picks it up, puts it up to Dreisaitl, who um, uh, hammers a pass over. I think it was going to go right through. Um, But anyway, to Kane. But anyway, Brown gets it in the slot. And um, beautiful backhand pass to Kane, who one timers it in the net with it. Man, Kane has a good shot. So uh, it was a great five man play. Evander Kane's at even strength has just been dominant this year for the Oilers. He's been such a crucial player. And um, Dry Settle's picking it up. And finally, Brown looks like maybe he's going to start picking it up too, which would be big news for them to motor. If we can see, like, like I've never seen, I I don't remember. I when I'm watching the other teams, I don't watch the other players too closely, generally speaking. So I don't have, have a real strong image of Connor Brown's A game of and what he's capable right. of bringing. And I think a lot of Oilers fans are in the same books. 
they don't really know his A game. And I don't think we've yet to see it. We're yet to see it. But if he can start doing that, Bruce, what a difference that will make for the orders. Because by all accounts, he's a really strong two-way player in the, in the kind of the similar to Zach Hyman. So um, that was a nice play, and it should take a little pressure off him. Of course, it hasn't stopped some from rushing to judgment on the player, but uh, uh, I think he's st- clearly starting to come, you know, getting uh, his game starting to come into focus and he's getting more uh, uh, good looks and more good things are happening from game to game. It's nice to see him finally find his score sheet in any, <clears throat> any manner at all. And um, uh, it was, uh, uh, you know, good, good pass good first assist as well and and uh uh he was one of two oilers who finally got his first point tonight the other being adam ernie on what i can only hope will become the patented deharnay to ernie to hamblin goal scoring play (laughs) they're gonna cut that puck puck in three it was hamblin's first home goal it was ernie's first point in edmonton it was deharnay's first two-point game as an oiler, so they're all going to want a piece of that puck. That was a lucky <laughs> goal, eh? Because got a good uh, bounce. Yeah. Good, he he sure buried it, though. Ooh. He sure did bury it. Yeah, yeah. And if James Hamlin wants to stick in the NHL, this is he, mm-hmm. he's taking a step in that direction. You know, he looked mm-hmm. out of it. I remember heading into this year, we were talking about who's the Oilers' fourth line center going to be. His name mm-hmm. hardly came up, and I think I remarked on it on the time we had been discussing it and discussing mm-hmm. it. And said, you know, who we haven't mentioned is Hamlin. Right. And here he is. He's in the NHL again, and um, he scored a couple goals. And he, mm-hmm. if he does that and takes care of his own end, well, we'll see what happens. Bruce, your bad thing. What is it? Yeah, uh, I'll have to go with uh, um, the start of Stuart Skinner, like just the first few minutes. And the first goal was a. It looked like it should have been a three-on-three that became a. Uh, there was a narrow passing lane, and they executed, and he just didn't quite get over on the on the pass that maybe he should have anticipated. I know I sure did watching TV. I could just see it, the lane, and thinking, it's going to go to that guy, and he's going to put it in there. <laughs> anyway, but that one, it's not, not um, so much on the goalie, but the second one, and again, there wasn't perfect hockey in front of him, but... Uh, the guy Max Jones, not exactly a sniper, and he gets the puck in the in the uh, in the high slot and lets a quick shot go. I mean, I'll give him that. But Skinner's pad, he he anticipated and he was down. His pad was on the ice, and he actually lifted his pad off the ice as the puck slid under it. And that's where you know sometimes those fast twitch m- muscles, if you're in a good position, maybe hold it. And see him move like it was like he was playing dodgeball, trying to get out of the way of the puck. And I know he wasn't, you know, but that's, that was one of those things. Just yeah. one of those things. Your puck's doing this, and you're reacting by doing the exact wrong thing, or just sort of dragging your pad on the ice was the was the one. And at that point, right after his fine game, getting a shutout last game, and he came out looking like that, and it was like the only two decent shots they had on him and somehow both, you know, found a hole and it's just, that's a pretty tough start. And to his credit, I mean, it's hard to have too many real bad things in a, in a uh, eight to two win. And to his credit, he bounced back. And I think 
Yeah, in the end, he wound up with a nine. 9, 12. 24 or, shots, 25 uh, shots, something like that. Yeah, it was 20, 23 on net and uh, just the two that went in. So once again, he had the uh, save percentage over 900, which has been the case in every single Oilers win this season. His uh, goal, goalies with uh, decent save percentage. I used to be able to do this stuff. In my, yeah, 913 tonight. So... Yeah, there was some shoddy defending, but that to be like initially I was thinking, okay, this is all on Skinner. And then I kept watching it, and it was like it was it was a tough shot because it, it was it wasn't quite a brownie. Um, the um, the shot named after Connor Brown, where you where you take it on your backhand and you shift to your forehand, which Drysaddle is famous for executing, but it was kind of a a spin move shot, and. I believe it was because the guy gets it. He's kind of fronting the Harney and then he right. moves around a Harney and shoots. It's not as easy a shot as you'd think because you just, mm-hmm. the player's moving and the, and it's it, the angle of his shots constantly changing, which is why Skinner moves. I think because he gets fooled at one point by he thinks, Oh, the angle of the shot's going to be this, but the guy keeps moving then and the angle of the shot, something he's not expecting. So it's, that is not um, that easy a shot. And there was also, DeHarney's defense on that wasn't great. McLeod's defense on the point shot pass wasn't great. And Kulak made a turnover in the corner to kick Mm -hmm. off the sequence of pain. So there was some shoddy defending. And and I agree, not great goaltending. You'd you'd like to see that save. And he did Mm -hmm. look really bad on it because it wasn't a particularly wicked shot. But it was sneaky. It was a sneaky shot because it's like a backhander. Sometimes you don't know where the backhander is going to go. I think on Hyman's breakaway on the backhander, the goalie didn't know. And I think Hyman was actually trying to raise it. Mm-hmm. And he didn't was in a, unable to just do so, but it went in anyway. Yeah. yeah, just backhanders and spin shots are, are hard to stop. Bruce, I'm going to return to the first goal for my bad thing. And um, it was, in the end, a three-on-three three because Kane came back in the play. But... <laughs> This is this, and here we go again. This is this thing we 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 have remarked on a number of times. It's the the slack check instead of the back check, mm-hmm. and it's the guy who hustles back. In this case, Evander Kane, he's caught up ice. It's a three on two. He he hustles back. He turns it into a three on three. But just in the moment where he's won that battle, where he's 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 willing to, he's ready to stop completely the goal against. He stops skating. He stops skating. And he starts cruising. So instead of getting right on the player who's right. going, Max Jones, who's going to the far post, instead of getting inside his body, instead of taking him out, instead of being able to, to lift his stick, he stops skating. And because he stops skating, he doesn't, not only does he not stop the pass across, but he's not there to lift the stick and he's not there to make right. the check. And we have seen this. We see, we see this repeatedly. And again, I'm mystified mm-hmm. by it. Even, yeah. it. even as it's common as it is, the slack check mystifies me. Why aren't they taught? I guess they can't make contact with that player, but why aren't they taught to go stand right beside him and get their body in between? Inside of him, yeah. Get inside of him, get between him and the net. That's when your back check is over. And until then, it's a slack check. And that's what cost the orders. The first goal was Kane's slack check. 
Yeah, it was looked like a routine three on three, and I just I watched it developing, and I thought, I know where this is going, and <laughs> sure enough, pass got through, and the forward didn't pick up his guy, and defenseman didn't cut out the pass, goalie didn't make the save, same stuff we've seen too often. I think the slack check might be cut be be because of an optical illusion. You think you have the passing lane covered. You think you've done enough to stop. You, you've worked hard enough. You're back. You're ready. You're, you, and you think you're going to be able to get that pass. And then um, because offensive players are so good, some of the time you don't get that pass. And, but because you think that you're, you're in the right spot, you don't do that, take the extra step of going the extra mile and getting in the right position on the guy between him and the net because um, you're pretty sure you've got it covered. That's my theory on it. And and if it wasn't a perfect pass and a great shot, he did have it covered. But these right. are NHL players. They, they tend to make perfect passes they sometimes. They tend to make perfect passes. You know, one out of three. And, mm-hmm. and one out of, you know, and they can do that. They can execute that play. So that's why you have to take that extra... Like the highly disciplined defensive team will learn to not just get in that position to knock down the pass, but to make sure if he does get the pass that you can lift his stick at the last moment. And that's where Kane was was out of position on that goal against. Uh, your numero, Bruce. Yeah, this is a number of uh, born in frustration. Uh, the Oilers scored enough goals tonight to win any of the three road games that they lost, and they allowed few enough goals to win tonight. Uh, tonight to win any of the three road games that they lost, you know, like they, there was a big offensive effort and a good defensive effort. They seem to go together. They always win by big scores, and it's. it's uh, their problems have been in close games where they, either they haven't been able to get the big save or they haven't been able to get the key goal when they needed. And then tonight, of course, they had lots of lots of goals and uh, uh, you know a very very comfortable margin of victory. And it's to the point now where the Oilers have outscored their opponents by four goals in the last five games, uh, even allowing three empty netters, uh, and somehow they only got four points out of 10 because the distribution of those goals hasn't really worked in their favor. So it's more uh, a a knock on what happened in the past. I mean, I'm not going to complain about an eight to two win, just where was one or two of those goals or one or two of those saves and those close games that they found ways to lose on the uh, Southeastern road trip. Yeah. The orders are goal differential is minus eight. Yeah, it's suddenly and closed, Seattle, huh? Seattle, um, who has 21 points in 22 games, is minus 16. Mm-hmm. So there you have that. Yeah, yeah, you're counting goals like the Russians did in the 72 series, Bruce. Yeah, they won when that they, series. When they they won that series because in they, total goals they had more than Team Canada. 32 to 31. <laughs> they even have some kind of a uh, plaque set up somewhere outside of the. I'm not sure if it's still there, the Luzhniski Ice Palace, where they, uh, but uh, they uh, they lost that series by any traditional measure, which is one games. 
they lost that series by any measure in any tournament in the history of hockey. It's mm. true. Um, yeah, a tiebreaker only works when you're tied, fellas. And you weren't. <laughs> if the last that game had been that. tied, they would have claimed the win on the, on a 32-30 goal differential. Well, you know, that would have hurt. Would have, yeah, because, yeah. And they won, the Russians won rendezvous 87 on goal difference because it was just a two-game series. And yeah. and NHL won 4-3 to three and lost 5-3. to three, So the Russians claimed the, claimed the series on straight goal differential, but. They did not win in 72. Bruce, my number is around Connor McDavid. And of course, he's got nine points in the last two games. Mm-hmm. Um, after just after 16 points in the first 16 games. So yeah. um, that's 16 points in 16 games is pretty good for most players. But for Connor McDavid, it's not nearly it's not good at all. Mm-hmm. But two points and uh, nine points in two games is is it's safe to say he's back and man, do they, do they ever need him? But, um, I just wanted to, we do this scoring chance project and, um, you know, I didn't see anyone say it was just bad luck or anything that McDavid was scoring less. And it really wasn't. What we noticed is this, that in the, um, last year, for instance, in uh, the 82 game season, he, he made major contributions to 6.9 grade a shots per game. So almost seven per game, um, last year. In the first 16 games this year, his average was um, 5.1 per game. So almost two point two uh, major contributions to grade A shots per game difference. He was really struggling um, in in that in those first 16 games, and you could see it. And he just wasn't producing uh, on the attack as much. In the last two games, uh, he let me just like update this. Um, in the last two games, 97 and F, 97, yeah. He's had 22 major contributions to grade A shots in the last two games. 12 the previous game and 10 this game. So, nice. yeah, he's really fired it up. And, man, is mm-hmm. that ever great to see. Um, the Oilers absolutely need this player, and which leads to the conundrum. Can Connor McDavid still win the MVP this year? Um Bruce McCurdy, can he get it done? Well, I think in theory, yes, he can. I I, I think it's unlikely because I, I think to win a vote, he's going to have to be the actual MVP by such a convincing margin that if it's close at all, uh, they're likely to uh, to share it around a little bit. But uh, um, I mean, we've just now hit basically the the uh, one quarter of the way th- through the season mark. And in just basically two games, McDavid has pulled himself out from the dregs of the scoring race to on the cusp of the top 10, just like that. And whilst it's unreasonable to expect nine points every two games, uh, it's fairly reasonable to expect that he's going to average a lot closer to two points per game than one. And uh, I think we're just seeing the start of that. We've seen some hard regression towards the mean just in these last two games uh, and he's coming on and of course it, it also depends on the the mvp as much a, 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 a narrative as it is a statistical accomplishment and uh, uh, the narrative of you know guys 
carrying teams into the playoffs. It's <clears> a <throat> very popular one, and maybe starting from behind and having to you know do a do a big comeback to make the playoffs. Uh, if assuming that uh, dangerously, assuming that they do make the playoffs, which would be the only way that he would get votes at all, uh, I think possible. But I would say the odds are already uh, pretty hard against it. I think this actually helps his narrative in terms mm-hmm. of. So let's say let's say he leads the Oilers to the playoffs, mm-hmm. and, um, at this point, and he's yeah. the old McDavid for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. So you know. I think this helps his story in terms of winning the Conn Smythe, or not the Conn Smythe, the uh, got a little ahead of myself there, the um, <laughs> the Hart Trophy, because it 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 just shows like when he's not, it shows how valuable he is to the Oilers and how dependent the Oilers are on to, are with him, that um, you know if they had another season where all the players are getting a hundred points, and he's just he's one of them even with a spectacular year. Well, he probably would have won it then, but this really does highlight like if if he's not a hundred percent, this team. It's going nowhere fast. And if he can coincide come his game coming around with the orders going on a huge run, that will establish a narrative early in the year that it's this is they're they're riding McDavid and they were desperate for him to get his game together. And now he's lifting this team on his shoulders and carrying it to the playoffs. So I think that's a story that could work for Connor McDavid in terms of narrative. When I look at the competition too, it's interesting because um, Colorado has a, has a couple of candidates in McCarr and McKinnon, and Vancouver mm-hmm. has a couple of candidates, I think, in um, Hughes and Elias Peterson. But because both teams have two candidates, um, that might impact them. Because both Hughes and Peter, like, it's hard to choose between Hughes and Peterson, and it's hard to choose between McCarr and McKinnon. Um, I think there's a, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Kale McCarr is the main rival this year because he's such a fantastic yeah. player. He's just so brilliant. And if he stays healthy and he gets like 110 points or 115 points, which he's capable of doing, I think Kale McCarr is going to be, he's on pace for a 120 point season, for instance, and plus, almost plus uh, 70. Um, so if Kale McCarr has that kind of year, he, he will be uh, in the running, but I think McDavid's got a real shot at it. He's not, I wouldn't say he's the favorite um, because there's some other, because Colorado's a good team. Vancouver's a good team. I don't really see anyone else. I'm not, I'm not, Kutrov leads the league in scoring at 35, but nobody likes that player, especially Bruce McCurdy. So he can't win. And uh, before. Yeah, maybe he could win it. How's Tampa doing? I don't even know. <clears throat> Um, well, they're, they're hanging around. They they had to go without their starting goalie for the first 20 games. Oh, well, there you go. And yeah. they survived that. And uh, Bazzi came back the other night and played. They, they went to Carolina, the same team that stomped Edmonton uh, on Wednesday, 6-3. Did you see what happened on Friday? Tampa went in there and Vasilevsky played his first game of the year. Ranta, who left the Edmonton game after the first period, he started for... Uh, he started for Carolina and he played the whole game on Friday. He played, he faced 14 shots and he let in eight goals. He was the first player, first goalie in the history of save percentage, which started in 1955, the year I was born. I mean, that's how old save percentage is. First goalie in the history of, the pl- of save percentage to play a whole game and stop less than half of the shots that he faced. <laughs> oh, <laughs> he man. He made six saves and he let in eight goals. 
Wow. Andy Ranta and uh, Vatslevsky, uh, well, they won that game 8-2, to two, same score as tonight, but it uh, sounded like uh, the flow of play wasn't exactly in Tampa Bay's favor, but every time they got over the blue line, they would shoot one into the net. So that was one yeah, for the yeah, ages. Uh, yeah. Too bad for Edmonton, Ranta came out after that first period, maybe like, yeah. could he? So. Could he use some of that luck themselves? Yeah. All right. Anyways, uh, Makar, Makar, man, oh, man. Such He's a player. A, yeah, he and really is. He, I'm just so. He and Quinn Hughes are tied for the league lead, plus 18 already. Mm-hmm. And McDavid's still in the minuses. I mean, not that they necessarily decide uh, th- that trophy on that stat, but it is part of the package. And, uh, you know, when you're outscoring by large margins with the player on the ice, that's uh, that's a vote in his favor. And yeah. Defensemen, they almost never win the the heart. I think no. Pronger was just about the only one in a long, long time when he won it for St. Yeah. Louis in 2000. And since they had the Norris, it's like, well, the best defenseman gets the Norris, so we don't really give him much play for MVP, and it's not really fair at all. But uh, they're, uh, those two guys both have their hat in the ring in a very serious way already. They're both, I mean, 33 points for Hughes in 22 games and 30 points for McCarr in 20 games. They're both at 1.50 points per game playing defense. So they're, uh, they're major forces to be reckoned with this year. I'd say the favorite right now in my estimation is Elias Peterson mm-hmm. and with Nathan McKinnon in the number two spot mm-hmm. and um, they're both such fantastic hockey players but I think McDavid can catch them so we'll see what happens Bruce let's leave it there yeah let's leave it there David I say easy win tonight I <clears throat> got the lead early and just kind of cruised yeah, kind of sloppy, but uh, was a game that was not in doubt from about the really f- end of the first period on. So nice thanks to for have talking. one of those. Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast. <laughs>